you know, I think that you will see in major markets, so think Dallas, Chicago, Phoenix, developments continue to push out to the outer edges geographically, and those will continue until the applications break. And then though that demand has to be placed in other potential places. All right. Uh, welcome to another edition of Not Your Father's Data Center. My friend David Liggett wetting his whistle as needed because he's got lots to say. <laughs> David uh, here in Dallas, Texas, uh, Data Center Hawk headquartered here as well as Compass. Uh, David, thanks for jumping on with us and excited to hear about you and your life and the business. But let's start with you personally. Tell us a little bit about Team Liggett. Yes, you bet. Well, Raymond, thanks for uh, having me. It's been fun to see Y'all's podcasts continue to grow, so uh, it's great to be back on. You know, I think you probably know some of this stuff, but maybe for those that don't. So I'm from the Dallas area and grew up here, ended up going to to college at Baylor University in Waco, Texas. Uh, Go Bears. Go Bears, yeah. I'm not sure the right – I never get the right – which give me – I know it's not the – that's TCU. I know that one. Of course, I know Texas. You got to give me the – okay, got it. I just want to make sure I got it right. Got it. Right, go Bears. Sikkim Bears. That's Got right. it. Yeah, um, that's it. Sikkim. I knew it was Sikkim. That's it. Sikkim. Got it. Yeah. It's like if you're here like in the Big 12, it's like you kind of got to know all of the, uh, you know, Reckham Tech and Hook'em Horns, Boomer Sooner. Yeah. And then uh, out of college, I actually spent five years. Saw them off. Uh, everybody, everybody's yeah, got saw them go. off, right? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, bet. Got you it. bet. And then and notice the one I didn't use was anything for the Aggies. So yeah. just for those. Well, they're Aggies. and that's right. Aggies, you know. <laughs> yeah, they probably wouldn't notice anyway. That's right. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, out of college, uh, I spent some time working at a sports camp and then got into the business world in 2007 with uh, CBRE. David, were you up at Canicook? Uh-huh. Yeah. Canicook, that, oh, right. I didn't know you did a Canicook tour. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. Right out of college and had a great experience there. And then got into the business world in 07 with CBRE and, and spent eight years on the, that team and just loved that experience. Great group of people and learned. That's where I learned the data center business. Was Brant on the team? Was he was he on the team back then? Yeah, he came in. Uh, I think in 2011, maybe. So I was I was there for okay. four or five years uh, with a, another group, and then he came in and had a great experience working with him. Learned a lot uh, from him, and I think those that know him in the industry would agree he's just such a great person too. Yeah, great um, human being. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, guy. this show brought to you by the Brant Burnett Foundation. Oh, wait, just look yes. <laughs> Check him out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. He should have a blog. I have been encouraging him for years to, to start a blog. He's a great writer, too. Here, here. And then started Data Center Hawk back in 2014. Felt like there was a, a big opportunity for uh, a third-party you know, data center plat- uh, information platform in the space. And so uh, we've been running ever since. I can't believe it's almost been a decade, David. Holy cow. I know. I know. So when, when's the 10 year anniversary? What, it's sometime in the next year here. Uh, yeah, it'd be, I guess it'd be in August of, I guess we're almost in nine years. So August 20, what would August be, 2024. Yes. Awesome. That'd be yeah. really cool. 10 years. All right. Well, uh, what an awesome decade. What a fun time to be an entrepreneur. What a cool space to be an entrepreneur in. That's right. Um, tell us a little bit, because I know things changed for you guys here in the last year. So talk yeah. to us a little bit about what's changed at Data Center Hawk and, and, what the future looks like, and then we'll get into the business itself a little. Absolutely, yeah. So one of the most exciting things over the last year that's happened to our company is we were acquired in July of 2022 by a company called, a holding company called Simplify Compliance. Now, for those in our space, they wouldn't know that name, but a name they would know is Fiber Locator. So this is the same uh, holding company that owns Fiber Locator. And so we were purchased by them, and it's been 
just such a great experience, a great process. They've given us, you know, we have access to more capital to go put more you know, resources in different markets and, and strengthen our team here in Dallas. And so we are actively growing uh, our team, uh, not just here in Dallas, but also in, uh, you know, across really the world, which is really fun. So I think you'll see our platform globalize uh, in the next, uh, you know, 12 to 24 months. And, and we'll be expanding into markets, you know, certainly more in Europe, uh, APAC, Middle East, Africa, we're, we're really excited. Latin America, we just hired a regional director for, for Latin America. So we're super excited about the future and, and it's been a great experience. Let's stick a pin in Africa and uh, Latin America because both, I think, exciting things about the future. David said in his, in his uh, bit there, guys, that he is uh, headquartered in Dallas and recording with us today in Dallas. But uh, we did convince him to fly from his home in the Bahamas after recently selling his business. He's got a large estate in the Bahamas. Yeah. And we we got him you. to come back to Texas just for this That'd recording. Be awesome. so, <laughs> all be good. Great. All good. All right. Well, all right. So the data center business, uh, just kind of crazy these days. Yeah. Um, you know, COVID took all of us a little bit by surprise, um, not only from a health and global standpoint, but but from a, what it was going to do to our business. Grateful that uh, that, that you know, is behind us from a you know, global health scare per- perspective, but it certainly changed our business. I, it's changed our business in lots of ways. And I would love to hear from your perspective as, as you have, um, you know, your thumb on the pulse of the industry What's changed since COVID? We're, we're, we're past it now. What do you see as the differences? And let's, let's use that as a launching off point to things that you see in the future. Yeah, so that's a great, great setup. And, and a couple of things I would say that um, lead us to where we are today. You know, in 2019, I think one of the maybe misconceptions about our space is that it has only grown the way that it has because of COVID. Now, if you look at the data center Hawk data, we could show you in 2019, actually, before COVID started, that we were actually already starting to see, um, you know, mainly cloud service providers, but also some bigger enterprise users really start to take down bigger footprints. So as that started to creep into 2020, you know, not only were these companies, cloud service providers and other companies realizing that they had to expand their infrastructure to support the current world that we lived in, but they were also, I think, looking too at the future going, you know, we need to make sure that we're in a position uh, to serve customers three years from now, five years from now. And with the supply chain woes that that hit our industry then, and that uh, demand increase, you know, you now find us in a position where the one word I would use to describe our industry today is constraint. You know, every area of our industry has really been challenged with being able to you know, get supply online, get UPS systems where they need to go, get a site that is large enough to handle a campus that could support user needs for, you know, five to 10 to 20 years. You know, everything's gotten more challenging. And so I think the exciting thing within that is that that means there's opportunities. You know, if you can figure out how to deliver a campus that can support 300 megawatts in the Northern Virginia area, you know, south of Manassas, I mean, you will have some very interested parties. And and I think you could take that same mantra and apply it to Dallas, Chicago, Phoenix, Northern California. It's the same situation. So I think one of the areas I'm also encouraged is the the issue right now with our space is really a challenge to deliver the supply. The demand is is there. It's just can the supply meet when the demand needs needs it to be there. Yeah. Here, here. Well, I, I would completely agree with your assessment. Let's go back to 19. 
you could see the takes were getting bigger, right? It was coming. I, I think COVID enhanced that scale or that at that pace of yes. change, but it was coming. We completely agree with you there. I think I think you nailed that. And and COVID just changed everything, and and the campus and the large takedown and the what used to be megawatts became tens and in some places hundreds of megawatts yes. of planning and and that's that's really changed in the last three years right it, it was not that way three years ago correct and that that seems to be i don't want to say it's the norm but just it's it's not unusual today to get calls about hundreds of megawatts um, yeah and then and then, totally and different then the downs yeah. you're right. the, the downstream impact that you describe right that that changes everything right it's enough concrete enough uh workers enough PDUs, everything in the system has to get built and delivered, and 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 it did it at such a scale that the industry, I, I feel like, is catching up now. But had a big, oh my goodness, everything's changing, and oh by the way, it all changed at the same time that we had the worst global supply chain yeah. constraint in my professional career. Right, so so you get yep. you get those two problems, and and lots of smart people and lots of hard workers, and I think. Uh, you use the the word constraint. Still, our industry feels the constraint, but I feel like at least everyone knows what the problems are, has yeah. a plan in place, is working on a fix. We're working in the right direction, but man, um, it was it was it was tough. So COVID changed the world. Everybody worked from home. All the things everybody loved to talk about. What's changed in the future uh, of the data center business? Where do you see us headed, and and what's driving that? Well, let's start maybe on the the larger scale requirements. I mean, I think. The size of those requirements are forcing uh, data center operators to, you know, acquire larger land parcels or work really hard within the area that those users want to be to put together a land parcel that could serve, you know, whether it's 100 megawatts or 150 megawatts. So it really depends on geographically the, the, the challenges in the future really depend on kind of where you want to be. You know, I think that you will see in major markets. So think Dallas, Chicago, Phoenix, Northern Virginia, Atlanta. Let's take those for instance. I think you will see developments continue to push out to the outer edges geographically. And those will continue until the applications break and the, the, from, a, from a network side of things. And then though that demand has to be placed in other potential you know, places. It's one of the reasons we're seeing a lot of activity in secondary markets. So think about Salt Lake City, Austin, uh, you know, Minneapolis, like these areas that traditionally have had some data center development, but are seeing a lot more interest over the last you know, 12 to 18 months. And so I, I think that what this shows is that if four megawatts was a large requirement back in 2010, and, you know, maybe that changed to six to eight in 2018. You know, by 2020, it started to be 12 to 16. And then by, you know, 2022, that started to be 36 to 72. And then today, you know, to your point, you made the comment earlier about several hundreds of megawatts. That's not an uncommon requirement. Now, there aren't 50 requirements out like that in Dallas. But, you know, historically, Dallas is a really good example, but it's like, that that type of demand wouldn't come to Dallas because of certain reasons, and that has changed. So anyway, I think in the future, we're just going to see activities by data center operators and investors really focused on how can we meet the large demand, where do they want to be. Uh, and it's one of the reasons you see, you're seeing so much money pour into acquiring land right now. And if you want to win three to five years from now, you have to be buying that land you know, today. And in some cases, if you want to win 10 years from now, You've got to be buying that land today. I was in a meeting uh, several months ago where I heard 2030 
you know, as a, hey, this is when the power would be available. You know, in our space, that's crazy, but that's where we are today. You brought up uh, the land getting purchased way out of hemp, but you also mentioned power. That's the other piece of this, right? Power. Yes. Right? Um, we have, we as an industry, I say the industry, have, have come to the market and said, I need power in such scale globally that we're yes. really taxing the generators, we're taxing the grids, right? Everybody's seen the stories around Northern Virginia. It wasn't a generation problem, it was a distribution problem. And, and we're now making those large power requirement requests yep. years and years in advance yes. to go with the land. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, that scale change has changed the power dynamic. Yeah, and, and one, thing, one thing I would say that for, for maybe those that aren't in the space listening, you know, historically, you know, if I go back to like 2015, if, if someone was buying land to do a data center development, you know, you'd, you'd acquire the parcel, you'd do the site selection work, and you just make sure with the power company that you could get 30 megawatts or whatever the, the power is. But it was in the 20 to 40 megawatt range. Let's say that was the power analysis. You know, now I think the power analysis is, uh, you know, looking at certain areas from a generation perspective and going, hey, if we put our resources in this region, can can this region support power generation of X over the next 10 to 20 years. Then we move to uh, the transmission, which obviously through areas like Dominion have become much more visible and uh, focused on. Then you get to the site substation construction and, you know, whatever. And so it's almost like the analysis, the due diligence has gone further up the scale because to your point, the sizes are so large. Uh, and yeah. once you put that capital in a market, it's there, you know, it ain't coming out. Yeah. So you got to make sure yeah. that you can grow the way you want to. Absolutely. Well, you, you, uh, we, we couldn't agree with you more. It's interesting to hear because you have such more of a of a broader market view than we do. But man, absolutely. Land years in advance now and power due diligence and power analysis years and years in yeah. advance and close collaboration with the with the generators. You, you, you described it perfectly. All right. So so um, what's driving all this right um when when do we get when do we get to um what was the great arnold schwarzenegger movie i'm drawing a blank terminator when when do we get to where the uh, computers take over the world and uh, we don't need humans anymore how, how far away sure. are we from ai well, and ml killing us all <laughs> seems like yeah seems like that's being talked about more and more yeah. now almost every day you know so yeah, i yeah. kind of Keep looking over my shoulder to make sure I'm I'm safe. But I I, I keep reminding folks that our data centers have off switches. We can just yeah, turn sure. them off. But go ahead. I I, I want yeah. I don't want I don't want to stop the hysteria. I want I know there's lots of worry out there. <laughs> that's funny. Well, I think it, anyone that's gone to a data center conference over the last five years, you know, you've heard words like 5G and Edge and auto the autonomous cars and AI. You know that this is going to be the next round of infrastructure needs, and and I think. Several of those technologies have, have probably underperformed the expectations, or at least the amount that the industry has talked about them. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Internet of Things is changing everything. Stop. Yeah, sure. There's a, so we got, we're going to have data centers on every corner. That's right. That's right. Of course. <laughs> but I think that AI is a really good example of probably the first, one of the first technologies that I would look at and say, hey, there's some real you know, strength behind this. And I don't even think we know what that is just yet, you know, especially as some of these technologies become more consumer, um, you know, friendly. I think that we are, you know, probably just scratched the surface from an infrastructure perspective. And we can tie certain development projects and, and transactions in the market back to, you know, specific AI requirements that are driving that demand, you know, and this is not 
This is not the Bitcoin type of demand that doesn't have infrastructure uh, redundancy needs or, you know, anything like that. I mean, this is, you know, high density compute that needs to be in, you know, major locations. And, and so that's what one of the things that we've seen really push up the absorption numbers over the last, you know, two to three quarters has been uh, the continual adoption of AI, you know, both from, as I mentioned, a consumer perspective, but also from a business standpoint. I think businesses are getting smarter about how can we use AI to save us time. If you look on LinkedIn, you can scroll through, there's different uh, industries that have, you know, put, hey, here's how financial companies should use AI. Here's how a insurance company should use that. And, and so I think the light is coming on to a lot of people related to how they can use AI in their business and, and even personally. Yeah, I've been amazed. You mentioned LinkedIn. I'll see those lists, the top 10 yeah. apps your business needs for AI. First of all, I didn't know there was 10, much less the top 10. <laughs> I mean, what sure. all the things you can do that are AI enabled, have some AI yep. back end. Uh, I, I'm not going to name the company for, for obvious reasons, but I, I do know that customer had um, a set of personal productivity tools and they said, hey, it took us 14 months to get to 100 million users of this sure. set of tools. And uh, they said, hey, when we rolled out this AI solution, it took nine days to get to 100 million yeah. users. And, and I <laughs> well, think different. that that caught some people's attention, right? Is, yep. is that the, yep. the, 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 the speed of adoption and the ability, the ease in which you can integrate it into what you're doing and how quickly it changes things, I think yep. is, has got our industry, you know, coming out of COVID and trying to handle the COVID demand, just another leg up again. Um, yeah. So, so here, here, uh, AI and, and what it's doing to enable businesses of all sorts and the back end to drive it, an incredible driver for our industry. You mentioned um, Latin America and Africa. Um, I will tell you from a compass perspective, we have projects going bo in both continents, uh, both parts of the world. Um, would love to hear your take about what you're seeing down there in both places. Well, I should say down for South America and over sure. for Africa. Um, what, what are you guys seeing? I'm glad you mentioned, I think, uh, before uh, before we got on about that you're already hiring in both places. So we'd love to hear about yep. that and hear, hear about what what growth you see. Yeah. You know, typically we we say, and I can't prove this with data, that the, that the U.S. data center market is, you know, we would say two to three years kind of ahead of what's happening in Europe. And then we'd say that European market's probably a couple, a year or two ahead of what's happening in APAC. And then I would take like a Latin America and an Africa and say, hey, these are, you know, in the next kind of rung of uh, maturity and activity that's happening from a development perspective of, of interest for cloud service providers for um, other hyperscale users, for enterprises that want to provide better solutions to these regions. I mean, I think one of the things that we need to remember in the U.S. is how big these areas are, Latin America, Africa, you know, how many people from a population perspective, you know, live in these locations. And, um, you know, with that density of people comes business opportunities. And I think that's one of the reasons that you're seeing a lot of these uh, these groups look at how to mature their infrastructure footprint in, you know, these locations. Now, it, it comes with a challenge. You know, some of the way I think some of these companies think is, hey, we've got $100 million, $200 million, whatever the amount of money is, you know, $500 million that we're going to put somewhere. And so we've got to de-risk, um, you know, wherever we put that to the best that we can, that money. And so there are some risks as you move into some of these other less mature continents and areas that, Every data center operator and investor has to be aware of, you know, related to how data center or how uh, requirements get completed in that 
market, you know, who you need to know to make that happen. Uh, I think one mistake a number of, of U.S. groups have made is like just going into a market thinking that the way we did this in the U.S. is going to work in these other countries. And I think most of us would look back at that and go, you know, the, there's probably a better way. You know, you really need to understand the, the culture and the the groups that are there and why they're there and where they are and and really probably work with someone in those countries uh, to, you know, better your footprint there. And that's I think that's one of the reasons you've seen a number of acquisitions, uh, you know, in, you know, certainly in those two regions over the last, you know, 12 to 24 months, because people go, hey, we want to get mature here. We can either go in and do it ourselves or we can look at data center operators that have a footprint of five facilities or 15 facilities. And, and that has seemed to be, you know, a, a more preferred approach over the last 12 months. All right, let's get you on the record. Let's make some predictions. You, you talked about here in the U.S., you mentioned Chicago and Dallas and Northern Virginia and Phoenix and um, you know, the, the markets that we all know and kind of tier two yep. Atlanta. So, so, so let's get uh, your prediction for big markets in Africa and your prediction for big markets in South America. Pick one or two. Well, where, where, where do you see the first real data center dense market in either one of those continents? Yeah, I mean, I think Mexico is, you know, certainly the most one of the most interesting, you know, areas with several markets there that um, I think we're, are seeing a, a lot of demand. No surprise, power is a challenge, you know, in those markets. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. um, strengthening the infrastructure there. I think Rio is another area that will continue to grow just given the, 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 the population of of people, you know, in those areas that I would think both of those areas are really set to grow. You know, for Africa, I know from our perspective, it's definitely a, a focus area of growth just because of the, the density of people that are there and, and the lack of infrastructure. Yeah, I, I got a, I'm a, a, a funny Africa story or a little anecdote about Africa. So the first time I went to Africa on, on mission trip, um, I walk into a village, there's you know half a million people there's no paved roads. There's no sanitation system. There's no sewer system. I mean, there's no infrastructure, none. But there's no two-story buildings. I mean, it's, there's nothing there. Yet the first person that walked up to me had a cell phone. Of course. And, and I asked, I was like, hey, I don't understand. How do you get have a cell phone? And they laughed and they walked me through the village and they said, hey, here's the cell tower that got built in town running on a generator. To your point, no, sure. no power. Yeah. And my next question was, look, how do you guys charge your cell phones? And there are people in the town that carried around car batteries that they had built adapters to the mm. top of. Mm. And people yeah. charged, you would come and sh you would go to the, the store and charge your cell phone off of the car battery. And sure. pay for the time it was on the charger. Yes. Yep. And, and so, 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 you know, with the, I asked, hey, you didn't do, well, there were, no, we skipped over the wired part. And I think we're sure. going to see similar kinds of things from the, from the data center business, right? Yeah. We're going to, we're going to jump in at, at, at phase three or four of the data center business, because to your point, the population is there and, and the, and the size of the economy is there and the growth, right? When you look at the demography of Africa versus the demography of North America or Europe, right? We're getting older and shrinking in population. They're getting younger sure. and growing in population. I think I think Africa is one of the most exciting places for many many reasons, um, not just the, the the potential to develop, but the hu human growth and and uh, and the vastness of Africa. I'm always amazed at how um, uh, fortunate to get to fly on uh, on mission air. So you fly fairly low altitude airplanes from town to town. It is just the biggest place. I live in Texas, and it's the biggest place I've ever seen. It's just sure. unbelievable. So uh, I'm, I'm excited uh, about Africa for, for us as an industry. And All right, so um, let's get a really, really important question on the table. This is, this is vital. This is probably 
um, after this, we probably close and, and the you know the phones will be ringing off the hook and we'll be getting asked for reporters. Let, let's have you on the record pick who is the most handsome CEO in the data center business. You got, you got Andrew Schapp, Chris Crosby, Gosh. or Brian Cox. I mean, between those three, and let's put Andy Power in the race. Those four guys, who, if you, and, and we did a question on like this online once, if you had to pick the next James Bond, out of data center CEO, so that's how oh, we'll question. Gosh. If if one of those guys had to be tapped as the next James Bond, is it Chris Crosby, Andy Power, Brian Cox out of Stack, or or or, or Andrew Shap out of a line? I mean, that's a that's a handsome group of men, and one of them's going to have to be the next Bond guy. So who do who do you take? That is uh, a good group of guys and a very smart uh, crew. Smart I'm group of go, fellows. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, your your boss, Chris Crosby. You're taking Crosby. I'm taking Brian Cox, but Crosby's not a bad pick. Sure. Not you a know, and I, I, think each, I think each one of those could be, be a good pick. In fact, I'd could, love to— Could be to, a future uh, Bond. <laughs> that's right. I'd love to see like a, like a little uh, PDF of them as like a little movie trailer with them in the— Yeah, yeah, in their Bond, tuxedos, be, playing, playing, playing right. poker or something. That would be that's awesome. That's right. Yeah, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put anything past Shap and— Certainly, Andy sure. Power knows what he's doing as well. So Andy knows what he's doing too. That's for sure. Good guys. Well, we, we I would agree with you. Our, our industry is led by some really bright guys doing really cool stuff, taking really big risks, and and helping change the infrastructure. I, I get we we didn't spend any time on this because we've done it in other podcasts, but occasionally you'll all get asked by us or 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 journalists or analysts. You know, you guys are using way too much power. Your industry's you know, just too power hungry. You're messing up the grid. Yeah. What are you guys doing in the data center business? You got to be more efficient. And I always ask people, say, hey, can you can you grab your cell phone for me? Just just tell me on here what you want to quit doing. I mean, we'll we'll turn it off. You don't want Netflix sure. anymore. You you don't want to ride Uber. You don't want to book your hotel on here anymore. No problem. Just just tell me the things you plan to stop doing on here, and it'll stop running in our building um, as soon as you want to stop doing it. I make the joke that that we are enabling the digitization of, of our planet, and and that yeah. does take some some energy. But I think on the whole, it's it's great for growth and great for humanity and great for. Um, for where we're going, we want to be great stewards of, of the energy we're using. But I do think it does serve the greater good that what we're doing on the other end of those phones, for sure. Yeah, I think you could even look at the companies that you just, you know, I guess, you know, digital, stack, compass, aligned, like and look at what they're doing from a sustainability perspective and go, and the industry's come such a, a long way over you know, if you think about it in like, you know, a relatively short period of time, if you think about our industry kind of in a, in a macro view related to, to the efficiencies and, and really trying to, you know, be as sustainable as possible in many different ways. Uh, and there's still a long way to go. Uh, there's yeah. that, that I think we're all working to figure out, but um, I think we're definitely heading in the right direction. Yeah, definitely lessons to be learned, but but the business has changed dramatically in the last decade. Um, you know, PUEs measured in the in the one dot somethings is <laughs> so different than it was a yeah. decade ago, right? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So so yeah. so it's it's changed a bunch, and 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 PUEs just scratching the surface, but an, an easy metric everyone understands. Well, David, uh, excited for you guys. Uh, congratulations on on the, uh, the the success of Data Center Hawk, and and excited for you in the future. And uh, grateful to be in this space with you and with with great folks like you and your team. And um, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much. You bet, Raymond. Thanks for having me on.